Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience featuring the Bull Bear Banter. We all know that markets often behave in ways that can't easily be explained. The Bull Bear Banter is our best effort to digest the noise in the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the May 17th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. As usual, I'm joined by Tom Guinan. Well, Cheyenne, on Friday afternoon, July corn closed up four and a quarter cents at 383 and a quarter, and that's up 31 and a half cents for the week. December corn closed at 398 and a quarter, finishing up more than 25 cents from last Friday's close. July soybeans actually closed lower today by 18 cents at 821 and three quarters, but that's still up 12 and a half for the week. And November soybeans lost 17 and a half today, finishing 14 cents higher from last Friday's close. Thanks, Tom. Nice to see a little bit of excitement in the market. And that kind of leads us into our big story this week. That's going to be the turnaround that we've seen in the markets. A couple of weeks ago, we saw a little move up, but this is much more positive. Both corn and beans started lower on Monday, and while beans stayed in the negative category, corn ended the day up from the close last Friday, and every day just added a little more. We're not quite back to the highs we saw in mid-March, but we've recovered from the big drop on March 29th and then some. Beans, meanwhile, had three days in a row of positive closes before the sell-off today. As Tom mentioned, for the week, we are higher, but we're still more than 50 cents away from where we were in mid-March. Well, Cheyenne, let's jump into the bull bear factors. On corn, the bullish news, obviously the main driver is the continued lack of planting progress. Monday's report showed 30% nationally planted with Iowa at 48%. Both of these were well behind the five-year average. But the real concern comes in the eastern corn belt with Illinois at 11% versus 82% on average and Indiana at 6% versus an average of 57%. That, combined with rain events this week and a forecast for more this weekend, really doesn't give us much hope that these numbers will continue to improve a lot by Sunday. Earlier this week, we saw news that the European Commission did not renew anti-dumping duties on imports of U.S. ethanol. The EU imposed these duties, or tariffs if you will, in 2013, and they've been in place ever since. This is definitely good news for the U.S. ethanol industry. Tom, on the bear side, even though it's good news for the ethanol industry, the pace of production continues to lead many to believe that there will be another downward adjustment at some point in the WASD, which will increase the carryout even more. The same goes for U.S. corn exports. This week's number was right in line with expectations at just over a million metric tons, but in the long run, we're still below the pace needed to get to the USDA's estimate for this year. $4 seems to be the psychological barrier for December futures. We touched it today, but it did not trade through. On soybeans, the bullish factors would be that the good news is that soybean prices are higher than the end of last week. Even after the sell-off today, beans are more than a dime higher for the week. Beyond that, I'm still continuing to struggle to find much more bullish factors for beans. Well, that's a little different on the bear side. We just seem to have plenty of options to choose from. Export shipments last week were near the bottom of the range of expectations, coming in around 19 million bushels for the week. The previous week saw more than 22 million, and a year ago it was over 25 million for the same week. As with corn, the pace needed over the next few months seems to be unachievable if we're going to meet the USDA's current export estimate. They are projecting a decrease of 17% from last year, but we are on pace for a 27% decrease. South American production estimates were increased slightly again this week by private forecasters. And finally, there is still no deal with China, and we're expecting more than 900 million bushels of ending stocks this year. Well, you're right. It's certainly a lot easier to find bearish factors on beans than it is bullish factors. But why does this all matter? 
This week was what most, if not all of us, have been hoping for, at least for corn prices, and it was definitely rewarded by the farmers. Earlier in the week, we were buying mostly old crop corn, as people use this as an opportunity to play a little catch-up. Today, with December futures nudging up to that $4 mark, we saw a lot more new crop being sold. Soybean sales were not anywhere near as aggressive, and rightfully so. But of those sales we did see, most of them were for old crop. Again, it felt like we just had some folks playing catch up there. If, and again, a big if, we continue to see more rain events and planting progress continues to lag, we should expect a little more of a rally, especially in corn. So we would just continue to uh, encourage you to touch base with your GMA about pricing goals and your offers that you want to get in place. And as we've mentioned in the past, the last couple of weeks, we really think you should be keeping an eye on 2020 futures levels that might be worth considering for your operation. Things to watch for in our upcoming events, continue to watch the weekly crop progress reports as they are released. Those come out on Monday afternoons, and that shows the progress as of Sunday. These are going to take on even more weight in the market the next few weeks, especially if this rain continues. And stay tuned for some info from one of our regional sales managers at the end of this podcast. We had a special interview there. As always, if you have questions or comments for us, make sure to drop us an email at podcast at landiscooperative.com. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. Tom, you forgot our new sign-off last week, so I'll add it here. Bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Hi, this is Ashley Smaby, Grain Marketing Advisor for the Northeast part of Landis Cooperative. I am joined today by Kent Klingbeil, Regional Sales Manager for the Northeast Region. Welcome, Kent. Glad to be here. Well, awesome. So this week's kind of been an interesting time in the grain markets. And so I wanted to really chat up with you and see kind of how agronomy and how weather is really affecting that. And so I'm excited to dive in. Um, But first of all, tell us kind of what does the Landis footprint look like? And especially in the Northeast, tell us more about how, you know, things are developing as far as agronomy wise. Sure. And if we would have looked at the beginning of the week, I think it was a lot different. There's been a lot of progress this week where to our west and the Northwest and the Southwest, they got some rain. Well, actually in the Northeast, we really didn't get any. And so they've been planting and planting corn. I mean, I would say they're pretty much done planting corn um, in that Buckeye area. There was a little wetter there. They got more rain. Um, Didn't quite get much planted around there. But if you thought about like Dyke, Green, um, Rake, Thompson, Britt, there was a lot of corn planted this week. And then actually quite a few beans planted as well. So we're feeling pretty good about stuff now. Awesome. So we saw a USDA report come out and really they're calling for about 48% as of last weekend. So it sounds like they're sitting, you know, in pretty good shape. Do you feel like that is true for the area or maybe more than that? It sounds like. I would say that we're more than that. I would say there's a lot of guys that are done with corn and and plant quite a few beans. And so I think in our area, in our footprint, I think we're a little bit better than that. So as we look at the rest of the country, people are saying they're way behind. So we had a report come out that told us Illinois was around 11% and Indiana around 6%. I mean, how do you think things will stack up for them at this point? I actually talked to a, a, I have a cousin that lives in uh, central Illinois and they farm. And I asked him and he said, you know, the 10%, he was looking at that. But they said that a few guys have been planting this week, but they were really still looking for dry fields. And so it wasn't working very well. You know, they have a lot of sand and pivots out there and different things. And so there's a lot more variability in their fields, like where this one can go and that one can't. And so I think there's, I still think there's quite a bit of area for them to uh, get planted. 
Gotcha. So agronomically wise, walk us through, I mean, can they, what, you know, what effect does this have? Can they plant a shorter variety? Sure. Um, walk us through kind of some of their options and moving into the future if it continues to stay wet. Yeah. So a lot of different things. I mean, we get the question a lot about should I start switching maturities? You know, it really depends on where they're at. And so wherever you are in the United States and you're planting, so let's say you're in central Illinois or in your long highway 20 or in rake, it really kind of depends on your area. So you got to start there. And so, and what kind of package are you planning? Are you planning a, a wide variety? Or are you sticking kind of in that one range? So let's talk about like, if you were planning a 110 day hybrid in rake, Iowa, which would be very late, they probably need to start drifting a little earlier. What if you were kind of dialed in on your nice set for your area, you're probably sitting okay until this point. So as we sit here and record this today, it's raining, right? Across the state. And so guys probably aren't going to plant till next week, maybe. And it doesn't look very good for the weekend. So we'd be pushing the 25th of May. And so then you got to start thinking about that. So if you had later hybrids, you might need to start kind of ticking back a little bit here and there. And in Illinois, um, they plant kind of the same range as we do. And so the same thought process applies. Gotcha. So let's say, you know, it is next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. by, the ta- the, by the time they even start to look at getting back in yep. to the fields, I mean, what impact are we seeing potentially? Are we seeing a yield loss yet or not? It kind of depends on the year, right? And so we all understand, you know, our weather patterns can be really variable. So if we have a decent year where we don't heat up really bad and it doesn't get crazy hot in July before we hit pollination, and then we can end the fall without early frost, we can pull it off but it kind of depends on the weather. So we can get there, you know, an early, a later hybrid can compensate. Those hybrids can pick up a little bit. They'll get a little bit taller, they'll look a little bit different. And so if you're thinking about switching maturities, you remember you're gonna take a yield penalty, right? So as you drift down, you take yield penalties. That's why we plant fuller season hybrids to capture all that sunlight and build all that carbon. And so we think about that. There's a lot of different things to think about there, but there's a lot of different options. Awesome. And can you talk a little bit, you know, as the grain marketing advisor, I work with farmers day to day in their grain decisions. And their biggest concern right now is I'm having a tough time trying to market my, you know, 2019 crop when it's been sitting in the ground for three weeks and really, you know, it's been cold and wet. Can you talk to that a little bit? What should they be looking for? Yeah. Right now, you know, you'd be looking for uneven emergence, stuff that got planted right there before that cold snap. Um, It all looks good. I see a lot of corn coming up now. There's a lot of variability in it. And I think some of that plays back to planting in depth and making sure everything was working right. We planted a lot of corn. I'll be honest, last week, there was a lot of bad decisions made. Guys pushing the limits a little bit. And so, I mean, when you talk to a grower and he goes, yeah, it was working, but I was just smearing the whole seed trench. We know that's really just setting us up for a lot of problems down the road, right? We're going to have floppy corn at V5. We're going to have some issues when we get, if it starts to get dry, that corn doesn't have very good root under it. And so it's going to be a lot tougher for that corn to ever hit its yield potential. So, um, but a lot of things we had to get corn in the ground too. And so it kind of, it's a, depending on what you want to do. Yeah. And then the last thing that I've been hearing a lot is, well, the farmer says, I feel like corn markets are going to continue to go up because a lot of these, you know, areas that haven't been planted are going to go to prevent plant. So I guess what's your kind of background on prevent plant? What are, you know, maybe some of the rules that you know of? What are the, you know, details that go into that decision for a farmer to finally get to the prevent plant stage? It's all back to economics, really, on prevent plant. If you can pull back and you don't have contracts and you can return products and stuff, some growers have purchased everything, no returns, and so you're sitting on inventory or you have contracts with suppliers that you have to pull. I have 32% bought, I have to pull it, I have a contract, it's gonna cost me this to get out of it. Just because it might be a little bit better on a prevent plant standpoint, you're still gonna take a penalty because you didn't plant a crop there. 
right? So you're going to have um, fallow ground syndrome probably going on, so it's not good. Um, I'm a big believer in planting something, whether it's flipping from corn to beans or whatever that is. I, I like seeing a crop out there just to kind of keep the weeds down and everything. But it all comes back to economics, really, is the grower, how does that pencil out? And it kind of comes back to the suppliers and seed and everything. Well, awesome, Kent. I so appreciate you giving us some agronomic insight on these grain markets. Look forward to seeing what happens and best of luck to you and your team as we move forward. Appreciate it.